There's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party podcast, your weekly Apex Legends podcast brought to you by Crossover Media. I'm your host, Shay, joined by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how is it going today? Uh, you know, season six wrapping up and now season seven's getting teased to us. I am excited. Happy to be here. A little bit different schedule for us this week and next, but we have a lot to cover as always. There's been a lot moving around with that apex schedule. I know you're done with the battle pass. I'm trying to finish up and get to 110 right now, but I hope all of our listeners are getting the time to grind because our season has been moved up by a week. Rumor is we might get some double XP weekend in there, but hopefully you guys can get that G7 skin. It's an awesome one. Before we get into the episode today, make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Sub to us on YouTube, Third Party Podcast. We stream weekly, uh, 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. It's been a good time. We're going to keep streaming that time, that day, even though we've moved the podcast schedule for this week and next week. Um, just because of Apex's fun, fun schedule changes that they love to do randomly. We got a good episode though today. Today we're going to be covering news, stories from the Outlands, the Promise trailer, the Season 7 launch trailer, speculating on Season 7, and wrapping it up with some listener questions, of course. Before we do any of that though, most importantly, let's dive into some reviews. First five star review coming from Kyle B. Voted for most outstanding Apex podcast. Hey guys, love the content. You guys tackle discussed issues and that's huge. Keep up the amazing work. I wake up every Wednesday looking forward to the new episode. My job requires a lot of driving, so I'm able to listen to the podcast episodes all at once. Hope all is well. What do you think it would take for EA to provide Apex with better tick rate servers? I feel this game would be 10 times better if upgraded. Money. Money, money, money. That's yeah. the answer to that one. Thanks for the review. It's a very good question. I've looked into it. Um, it's complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, my study at university is kind of focused around technology, and so I have kind of an introduction to servers. And what's interesting is you need a, in, you need a server to host a game for each player. And so the number of servers isn't really the problem because nobody's not able to play Mm -hmm. Apex because there's no like space on the servers, but the quality of the servers is Mm -hmm. kind of the problem. And so to upgrade the servers would be millions and millions of dollars to overhaul EA's entire global like database and servers. So it's probably going to be pretty, something pretty big, but Hopefully, a lot of the issues with Apex can be resolved locally like with your Wi-Fi, hopefully. Yeah. But it's a tough question, and I don't know uh, if or when they'll do something major like that. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it for sure. Next review coming from Eli the Great. You guys are great, and I hope I can be on your podcast soon. Stay cool, and please keep making great and understanding episodes. Thanks a lot, Eli. Very exciting. Hopefully you're you're grinding, making mm-hmm. content or something. We definitely like doing some interviews. Hope to do more uh, coming up soon. And it's fun to talk to people in the community. Definitely. Before we dive into the news, we got a big thank you. This is another Patreon thank you. Our generous supporters, 
kind of has to mean the world to us. You guys really help us, you know, take this podcast to the next level and make it as good as possible for all of you. And one of our benefits for doing that is being given a personal thank you on the podcast. So a big thank you to Andrew, who is a new master level patron, Mike, who is a jump master, and Savich, who is a jump master, up for an entire year commitment to listening to the third party podcast. Got anything else to say, Henry? Yeah, just thank you so much. And thanks to all of our patrons. We really look forward to the hangout, uh, the live hangout that will be happening uh, for this month. And we're also sending our first Apex replica weapon to a Predator supporter on Patreon uh, who will be receiving a signed alternator. It looks so good, guys. It's ridiculous. I'm jealous. I think I might have to get one myself. Henry's been thinking about it now for a couple of days. I think he might pull the trigger. It's very tempting. These things are cool. Let's dive into the news, though, now. First thing, though, little update on Shadow Royale. We didn't talk about it too in-depth on the last episode. Um, What are just your thoughts on the mode? Yeah, so we streamed it last week. So hopefully you got to, you know, tune into that and see it. But if you didn't, this mode is fresh and new. The movement is really amazing with the shadows, Mm -hmm. but it is hard. It's Um, super hard. Based off of the like spawn and respawn of the shadows, coordination with your team is very, very difficult. And given the pace of play and the speed, um, you really have to keep it tight. So communication super hard in this mode it's a lot of fun wall running and double jumping is super awesome Uh, but i think the biggest challenge that we were facing was just being and playing together really hard to rally together it's just also like the mode is so different from the last Shadowfall mode which i don't think people were expecting it to be so drastically different because it's like if you want to be a shadow you kind of have to cook your team a little bit. Yeah. And then even so, if you die, you might not even get to be a shadow because your team might just get wiped out. Because as we know, in Apex, going two on three or one on three is a tough task. Yeah. Even though the incentive of the movement is cool, I prefer to keep my weapon. It's very mm-hmm. tough. And on stream, and I was playing mostly caustic, just being able to kind of stay in one area yeah. and fend people off after the waves and i think that's probably a pretty good way to go team composition for that mode i think is probably just tough can't really outrun you can't really defend. there's no like, like great team yeah. comp that just stands out it's just a chaotic fun it's mode pretty different from normal apex so no major like game branding good to be back in skull town yeah and seeing that map is awesome and yeah we were really reminiscing over know. is this a bold statement is it crazy to say we miss Thunderdome more than Skulltown? I do. I love that spot. Skulltown is where you go to die. I know. Like, Thunderdome is where you go for purple armor and a great rotation. <laughs> like That's yeah, where you clean up Skull. Classic. Love that place. Yeah, that's a good spot for sure. Uh, next piece of news. A uh, little article is released kind of about talking ranked for next season, recapping this last season, and one of the big questions I think a lot of people have had with crossplay is what's going to happen to the rank system? You know, top 500 per platform is that going to stay the same? Yes, it will. It's going to remain the same. Top 500 preds on PC, on Xbox, on PlayStation, 
and maybe someday Switch, if we get that as well, uh, are going to get those rewards. It is not going to be 500 people overall in all of Apex. I think this was kind of our prediction. Anything else you'd like to add in? Yeah, I I think this is kind of what we thought. It is kind of weird that there's still going to be uh, 1,500 Apex Predators uh, in the total game, even when they're all playing against each other now. Um, but, you know, it's not a... It's not taken away pred status from anybody who's really good, and it's already very hard. So it's probably the right call. Yeah, I think it would have made more sense if our crossplay was completely universal. But the fact that PC is separate from Xbox and PlayStation, it does make a little bit more sense in that fashion because it's like unless you know you're partying up with someone from PC, you won't even see those PC preds, and so it'd be kind of lame if it was like 500, but one of these audiences is segmented away from everybody else absolutely uh along with that we have for the next season of ranked we have the removal of king's canyon uh the first split is going to be on olympus the second on world's edge we're going to dive into olympus here shortly for most of this episode but i know that the upper ranked scene is going to be very excited for this there's a lot of distaste for king's canyon in competitive play and ranked and so hopefully this is going to be the healthiest rank split we've ever had in Apex. Yeah, change is always hard. You know, I feel like pros and very competitive uh, predators uh, may have a hard time adjusting to a new map, but it's equal and fair for everybody. And so it should be a really fun, uh, different split this time around. And mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Definitely. Next piece of news, we have some rumored legend balancing. Uh, a lot of you know leaks come out, but a couple have stood out because there's some devs on Reddit that have very much reinforced that this is coming. Uh, the first one being a buffed Mirage in some way, shape, or form uh, coming from a dev on Reddit. And the second one being a Watson buff specifically to make her more playable in non-competitive play. And so it was addressed that Watson is only played in high levels of ranked and esports competitive scene. And they want her to be able to be played in public matches casually. What are your thoughts on these two little buffs we might see? We don't know what they are, obviously. Yeah, you know, we talk a lot on this show about balancing and buffs and Mm -hmm. legends and such. Um, And, you know, even though Mirage got a full rework not long ago, um, he's still at the bottom, you know. And we speak about that a lot off air and off air and on air, saying that, you know, it's just a play style thing. It's not necessarily power, it's play style. And so because of that, I wouldn't have assumed that Mirage was going to get more attention, but the fact that they're considering uh, doing another potential rework to that ultimate um, is interesting. And then with the Watson, um, you know, she's a very strong legend. Mm -hmm. Um, For competitive, her entire kit is built around that ultimate, you know, and I can definitely imagine if, she got an additional passive for that helping her early to mid game because her passive is cool. The first part of it just enforces her ultimate, being able to use the ultimate accelerants. And then the second part, being able to carry two ultimate accelerants is kind of just a, a buff to that other passive. Mm-hmm. So if I feel like giving her kind of maybe a combat or a support oriented passive could add some serious uh, non-competitive power to her. Yeah, that might be fun to see some Watson in just, you know, public matches a little bit. I don't think it would change the play style of public matches per se, but more so just the legend pool that we see in some way. 
It was also kind of interesting to note in the same article, uh, they were talking a bit about new legends coming into the game because Watson was one of the first, uh, you know, legends we saw at the start of a season. And one of the game designers has a quote saying, pretty much every character we released post-launch was either weak on release or underappreciated by the community at large. That's coming from Daniel Zenon Klein. And I just thought that was a really interesting quote when I read that because we'll get into it later when we talk about Horizon today. But hopefully that means they're aware of what's happening and we see some differences. And we've spoken to that a lot. Mm -hmm. Multiple times on this show, we've actually been able to say that. And so to have that be actualized and to hear them acknowledge that, maybe they'll compensate for it for this next season. Definitely. We've also had some rumblings, nothing confirmed though, by devs on Pathfinder, Octane, and Rampart getting some buffs. We'll obviously see in a week what's happening here. Uh, Excited to find out. Henry and I reading the patch notes is maybe one of our favorite things to do right before the season starts. Anything of note, though, you want to throw in on those three guys? Um, you know, it's going to be exciting. I I wasn't really anticipating uh, a large amount of legend changes this mm-hmm. next season. I think we're in a really awesome place from a balancing standpoint. Um, but if they are going to do a major overhaul, um, I would be impressed i will be sad i guess if bangalore doesn't get any attention mm-hmm. um but yeah i think th- this will be interesting i'm excited for the batch notes for sure definitely uh we also have a leak from bias 12 saying that pathfinder is rumored to be the next legend with a town takeover and that it could be a boxing ring style stadium kind of leaning into his heirloom a little bit you and I are both Pathfinder fans. I think it's easy to say that we would love to see some more backstory and really come to fruition. Maybe some of this creator stuff and all that. Um, I'm excited for this potentially. I'm very excited about it. I think it'd be lots of fun. And Pathfinder just has, I think, the best personality. So I would definitely love the love. Positivity. Positivity. Uh, and the last piece of news with the confirmation of Season 7 from the Apex website there is going to be an introduction of clubs into the game. We talked about this a long time ago on a potential leak, uh, but the text line reads, find like-minded players, build a community, and rise together. We're excited for this because we might have the makings of a third-party podcast club in some way, shape, or form. It's very exciting. The third party will definitely be looking into this and seeing what kind of features are Mm -hmm. available, and it'll be cool to see if we can build that community. Uh, of the third party nation in apex proper definitely we will keep you guys posted on that let's now dive into talking about the trailers and so we're going to start with the story from the outlands the promise oh my goodness give your just first impressions of the trailer as you watched it very exciting mm-hmm. you know my for even before watching it and you know initially uh enjoying it this is the beginning of a major Apex story. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest story of the Outlands, in my opinion, since Forever Family, which introduced Crypto's backstory and abilities, and that you know also brought in, in essence, the second map in Apex over a year ago. This is kind of echoing that same vibe and just a really exciting story. Yeah, I loved everything about it i know like we're gonna fanboy a little bit we have some 
negative-ish thoughts that we'll share later, but more so confusion over negativity. Mostly, yeah. Looking at the trailer specifically, so absolutely breathtaking. The story was so beautiful. Very sad as well with Horizon. And it was just awesome to see the absolute care that was put into this storyline, especially with the writer saying that season four, five, and seven that's the story time. Like those are the ones they put so much effort into. Unfortunately, Rampart got a little bit of the short end of the straw. Uh, but it's this this one was awesome to watch for sure. Yeah, and it was long. Mm-hmm. You know, over four minutes, kind of intense. Um, but yeah, a sad story, and definitely, I guess let's talk about this whole assistant. Okay. Situation. Just dive into. Do we want to give a little recap of what happened? I hope everybody's watched the trailer. But essentially, we get the introduction of Horizon. We get the introduction of Horizon, and she needs to solve an energy crisis on Olympus. And in doing so, she decides that she's the smartest person in the world because she's a beast and is going to go to a black hole to extract Branthium, which is something we've been curious about for the longest time what Branthium is. Essentially, gets betrayed and time travel some kind of black hole meddling thing and gets transported 87 years into the future and now her child is obviously gone after 87 years and she wants to uphold her promise still at the end to go see the kid after she left on this dangerous treacherous story yeah so the timeline of that is very interesting because mm-hmm. she's on this mission, energy crisis. She, in theory, solves it by mm-hmm. successfully completing the mission but being abandoned. And then she comes back and more time has passed on Olympus and her home planet than what she has experienced, which was only a few months. It was one year. Yeah. One year equivalent to 87 years, yeah. which is that's a pretty crazy, uh, black holes work in very interesting ways is what I learned from this trailer. <laughs> very interesting. And then she comes back and her whole home is destroyed, mm-hmm. family gone. Everything looks to be in carnage. And I think the biggest question I have regarding that is when did that happen? Mm-hmm. Is when that did today? She get back? Mm-hmm. Is that in the future? Is that in the past? I don't really know. And so I think that's something interesting because kind of skipping ahead to this next trailer and what we see is Olympus set in the same exact place. It does not look the same as Mm -hmm. what Horizon saw and lived in. And we will dive in there and maybe there will be shattered windows and stuff everywhere, but the vegetation stayed perfectly still at some point. There's not skyscrapers knocked down back in the trailer. Mm -hmm. So it has been repaired or we're not necessarily in the exact same place or the same time yeah it's gonna be really interesting but one of our favorite things was looking at the assistant of horizon and what were your first impressions of the assistant did you make the immediate connection that it seemed like a lot of at least the the apex twitter verse did so all my initial reaction was this lady's bad Mm -hmm. bad 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 um you know definitely hearing the assistant uh, kind of mimic Horizon's voice lines and saying like deary and such definitely echoes back to things that Ash has said, mm-hmm. uh, you know, repeating the same things. Um, so I think that is a very 
awesome potential and really an exciting past for Ash um, for a variety of reasons. One, uh, if Ash was Horizon's assistant and betrayed her, uh, that fills in uh, a lack of a past Mm -hmm. uh, that we don't know about her. But it also makes the quest that we had for this last season much more interesting mm-hmm. because Blisk is really close with Ash. Mm-hmm. You know, they had a whole life together with the Apex Predators. And Ash's essentially only motivation was to find out her past. Yeah. And for Blisk to now say uh, that one of your friends is back. Mm-hmm. Potentially Horizon. Potentially Horizon is pretty much Blisk admitting that he knows exactly who she is and mm-hmm. her entire past, but never told her. Yeah. And that kind of gets the blood pumping a little bit. We're going to get some people squaring up. I'm excited to see who comes together, who separates. And on top of all that, we will dive into it later with the other uh, timeline and other stories going on. But it is awesome. This trailer was overall absolutely amazing. Stories from the Outlands are always great to see. The animation style is different, but very fun. Um, any other last thoughts? I think that covers it. It's a very exciting story. There's a lot of cool little Easter eggs in there. Um, but this is just the beginning of something very big. Definitely. Next, we have the Season 7 launch trailer. And it is important to note that in the tweet announcing the launch trailer, it is mentioned that we are moving to Olympus essentially because World's Edge is collapsing, which is not something that was ever said in this trailer. It's not something that we were really exploring in season six lore whatsoever. We all know the Harvester was messing up the planet in some way, but it would have been nice to see that come to fruition right now to really explain why we left outside of just we think it's time to go, even though things are kind of going to be the same in a way. Yeah, totally. And then the second kind of major plot point of season six was the rocket. Mm -hmm. And that has launched in this trailer and it's carrying Rampart's equipment or weapons. Still has an unknown purpose, Mm -hmm. but it is now docked on Olympus. Yep. So we don't really know why it was built or assembled or was launched on World's Edge. We don't know why it's going to Olympus yet. All we know is that somehow Mirage put all Rampart stuff on the rocket. <laughs> That's all we know. That's all we know. Uh, but yeah, in the trailer, we see the rocket take off and little destruction along with the rocket taking off, as all rocket launches do. Interesting to see if maybe we see that on World's Edge. Uh, But we also start with the awesome banter, great interaction between Mirage and Rampart and the Pathfinder flying in there, as always, before teleporting, I guess teleporting, jump traveling. I don't know what they call it in the Apex universe, but it's straight Star Wars style stuff going to Olympus. What were your first thoughts when we opened up on the shot of Olympus? Not what I expected. Very pretty. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a kind of a a luxurious, very beautiful place. I love the cherry blossoms, the green grass. It's very sci-fi. It feels very mm-hmm. apex, uh, universe-y. Um, 
and not really destroyed like a lot of Apex is. It was interesting to see how different it was from what we thought it was going to be. We really thought we were going to be deep in a city based on the fact that we had all these loading screens and trailers that we thought were taking place in Olympus and such. And really there's not a ton of that kind of vibe going on. We just got a beautiful looking map, like you're saying. We got awesome green grass, blue skies, cherry blossoms, crops everywhere. It is a very lively, beautiful looking map. Totally. And we're going to dive more into different features that we pulled out of the map Mm -hmm. and all that cool stuff. But in essence, this trailer was not really what we expected from a lore perspective. And we didn't really get, you know, a lot of uh, views of POIs similar Mm -hmm. to in the season three launch trailer. But the whole trailer centered around the vehicle, the Trident. Pretty much a vehicle trailer, which was very exciting. And we're hoping that a lot of what we saw is actually in game, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, What we saw in the trailer is a lot different than what we had speculated and seen from leaks and uh, different schematics of the vehicle. But essentially what we saw is that these vehicles are very fast. And we'll talk more about them Mm -hmm. too. They're big, fast, and you can definitely shoot from them, mm-hmm. um, which we had kind of assumed that you could as a passenger. But it appears that you will probably be hanging off the side mm-hmm. and hip firing, which seems very weird. But the fact that it was multiple times reiterated in the trailer kind of solidifies it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, hip firing's tough in this game, and being exposed on kind of a big vehicle is potentially very risky. Mm-hmm. Um, it so, better be. It yeah. better be because if this thing can run me over and kill me, I got to have a shot at shooting the driver and the passengers. Totally. And we'll be going a lot more into the vehicle. But one thing that I kind of gleaned from looking at the trailer is the health of the vehicles is important mm-hmm. um, because you will be using this in combat, essentially. Um, but it could potentially have low health, mm-hmm. weirdly, um, because the Trident is shot by Rampart with a charged up Sentinel. Charged up Sentinel does shield damage. Assuming that a Trident doesn't have a shield, mm-hmm. that shot's still doing 70 damage. In most games, when vehicles light on fire, that's more than 50% damage dealt. Mm-hmm. And we can even say that the disruptor rounds on the Sentinel are uh, active Mm -hmm. on vehicles and there's some sort of EMP effect. That's still 125 damage with one shot doing a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. So based off of that, the Trident really only has 250 health, which is about the same as a Legend. That's incredibly low. So it's probably just cinematic effect and it has (laughs) way more health than that. But I thought it was interesting to see it was still it got hit once by a sniper and was in real trouble. I think it's possible and a lot of people have been theorizing this on Twitter is that it's going to be more of a EMP effect. And so you'll have Watson's fences and then the disruptor rounds on the Sentinel and maybe we've got disruptor back on the alternator or something like that. And those are going to have 
a serious impact on vehicles. And then maybe if you're just shooting the vehicles with straight regular bullets, it's not going to do as much damage or have as much impact. And you might just have like an instant disruption with this EMP kind of style gun, which I think could be a, a good counter in a way. And it would be a really cool counter if Watson's fences disabled this as well. Vehicles open up an entire new scope of mechanics. Like this introduces the ability to have anti-vehicle weapons like the EPG mm-hmm. or the Cold War from Titanfall 2. And as much as I like the idea that disruptor rounds are like an EMP, mm-hmm. at least in the trailer, we saw, you know, electricity, mm-hmm. but the Trident was never disabled. Like there was no stunning mm-hmm. or stopping it possible the defense does that that's just total speculation more so that it just deals increased damage deals that Mm -hmm. damage which is interesting but we really don't have a clue how much health these things have and we'll find out soon that is the exciting thing two shotting a trident with a sentinel would be pretty weak yeah really we also you know in the last launch trailer for you know season five we saw loba destroy stalkers with staffs so there are cinematic things like you were saying uh, taken for the purpose of the trailer so it'll be exciting to see how all of these mechanics are actually fleshed out in the game it is important that we do talk about horizon though in that same vein of saying things are cinematic we did get a sneak peek at some abilities potentially horizon shows up driving the trident to start the trailer absolute awesome character model she sounds great uh, looks like she's going to be a very positive character. Which, which is so fresh. Yes, we've been missing that uh, very much. And let's start with the tactical. Yeah. We, it looked like we had the repulsor or gravity lift. We still don't know the exact name it's going to be. Um, tossed out. So she was able to throw it before lighting up a beam and it sending you know the team up that was in it. So obviously a dime of a toss whether that'll be possible in game or not. But it was interesting to me to see the throw of that thing rather than yeah. a placement. Yeah, the throw was the major thing. And again, you know, we'll be talking about it more, but just the potential to move an entire team with the tactical is a very interesting and potentially powerful ability. Mm-hmm. And what we are interested in specifically with that tacticals, our first reactions on using it in the game was we are going to have a vertical team lifting ability as a tactical. Very good. But if it really can be used to disrupt combat, if someone's pushing you and you throw this thing down and it's unavoidable in a way and it can send somebody up, that could be a really, really impactful tactical. And we both have this instinct that it's going to have two charges available. That is so far from confirmed by anything, yeah. but that is just like the gut feeling for some reason. I don't know why, but I, I feel that way. Yeah, <laughs> it could be. And it's just kind of, most things are two charges uh, nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the tactical is very interesting to me. And, you know, we see a lot of how it works right now on both maps with the teasers and the mm-hmm. gravity lifts. Um, I definitely don't know yet how impactful it'll be for combat um just because it doesn't really trap you in it you're not going to be floating up not able to move you can exit the Mm -hmm. lift at any time and so i think it'll probably be disrupting but i don't think it'll be like in the trailer where 
it's a death sentence yep. and you're paralyzed and then you get one tap. And then you're one tap by a flower. That and yeah. probably won't be happening. Mm-hmm. The next ability we saw was the black hole style ultimate. Oh man. It had a octane style toss off rip. And that was the first thing that just kind of blew Henry and I out of the way. Major. We were like, is this going to be a on body activation? Is it going to be a grenade? She hucked this thing pretty dang far, I think. Uh, she was off a vehicle, so maybe some yeah. momentum, obviously. It that was kind of like a Batman sort of dismount <laughs> of the Batmobile. But this thing was impactful. It sucked in, including a grenade that her teammate threw. All teammates moved the trident that the enemy team was on before exploding and sending things outwards. And we've been talking for a little bit now. If this is an ability that has a stun effect or some kind of just like movement impairment thing coupled with damage that is going to be a very very good ability in apex yeah it it's this was an exciting trailer for that ability because Mm -hmm. it showed that it both pulls in and uh, explodes outwards the ability to throw it with such vigor as a Mm -hmm. launch pad is really an indicator that this can be used aggressively and isn't more of a totem or a pylon placement where you have to kind of use it defensively. Um, You know, still kind of an unknown activation though. Yep. uh, Because even though you throw it in the trailer, it kind of activated uh, while Mm midair. So it's possible that it's thrown, hits the ground, has to assemble and then elevate and then trigger it better if it does what the trailer had it do but really the vibe is that this thing packs a punch really and Mm -hmm. if it can be coupled with the grenade is kind of an interesting question and we still think that it does damage Mm -hmm. what that means could really range yeah like the biggest damage thing we have in the game is 50 Mm -hmm. you know with the crypto emp so it could be as high as that as low as, you know, caustic doing Couple four ticks. damage, yeah. you know? So we don't know, but it certainly does something. And taking away the mobility is kind of the biggest thing. Yeah. If the throw matches octanes, just realize how far this thing can go. Go into the firing range and chuck a jump pad with the intention to throw it as far as possible. And you're going to see how far that thing can go. I'm also excited to see if we get any UI elements with throwing and stuff. With the ability after what we just saw with Loba, and that could be cool. And if we don't get it, that might be another balancing piece as well. Totally. So we've been speculating a lot, but now we're going to officially go into full-on speculation mode. Uh, really, nothing we're talking from here on out is <laughs> confirmed. Obviously, we have information from the past that we will talk about, but none of this is. This is all just Henry and I kind of giving you guys our thoughts on everything that's happened and we're obviously going to learn a lot more in the next five days and i'm excited to learn henry's excited to learn more but hopefully you guys can enjoy this little in a way a guessing game and i have 100 percent confidence that we're going to guess everything right so might as well take this for word yeah this is essentially <laughs> a reaction and also predictions yes and just a little bit of henry and shay 
Spitballing. Story time speculation. And we so don't like to do this fun. often. It's sometimes painful. We like, hey, we have some crazy season seven predictions on the Patreon episodes. Still could be true. There's a chance. <laughs> I'm just saying there's a chance to other of our Patreon members. But let's dive into this now, starting with Henry and I's favorite aspect of Apex, and that is the story and the lore. I've run through all these open-ended storylines that we are hoping to cover in the future, in the near future. Yeah, so there's a lot of stories that were introduced in Season 5, and some smaller, like, side stories, uh, intra-character, if Mm -hmm. you will, so these relationships. But the major stories that I think and we think uh, could come with this season and this new map is primarily the source code yep, and kind of Revenant and that whole exciting adventure because it's located on Samafe. Which, which is the planet Olympus is on. Of course. The second open story is Ash. Yeah. And that's open. That's very open. <laughs> uh, you know, we don't know her role here. We now know that uh, if she is the assistant, that Hammond uh, had to get her head assembled in order to get data that was most likely associated with Branthium mm-hmm. and that power source because maybe they lost it or Ashton ran it out to the or right whatever. People. Mm-hmm. Whatever. We'll learn more about that. But that Ash storyline is now very much connected to Olympus, Horizon, Blisk, and Path, mm-hmm. and Hammond. It's connected to a lot of things. Ash is a major character as she was. Uh, We didn't really get anything except a weird relationship last season and no real explained purpose. But now we have an indirect explanation of the purpose of the season five quest. And she's definitely a big open story for this season. And it is worth noting that it seems like Blisk knows all, which... From someone that has played Titanfall 1 and 2, you know, both Henry and I, it is awesome to see this connection and to see this guy who was the antagonist that we all grew to hate, but maybe give a little bit of respect to, that he's now impacting the most popular game centered around the universe that they've released. And yeah. that's exciting. He's a major player. Mm-hmm. Um, the next story that is most likely a side story. But it has been echoed again and again. Multiple times. And that's Crypto's sister. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't really have too much to say as to how it will play in to this season. But it is something that's out there and is very big. Mm -hmm. Like, she's been on multiple trailers. She could have been on Rampart's, you know, Outland story. We know she's alive now. Yeah, there, there's a lot going on there. Don't really know her role, what side she's on, what state she's in. And but, she's not been predicted to be one of these legends that's come into the game, at least when we had the next, looking at the next like 10 legends or seven, whatever it was, there was no Mila and there was a lot of people we already know. So yeah. And that makes you think. Is the story going to be resolved or is it really going to be taking a long, long time to come together? And we also have, you know, Crypto's whole relationship with Watson to deal with right now as well. Yeah, there's a lot of those. And with Crypto's sister, it just definitely makes you think because she's not really leaked yet to be coming into the games. Mm -hmm. And because her 
perceived death was so much associated with the syndicate and the games, we think she's going to have a pretty major role to play because they're spending so much time on Mm -hmm. her. The next kind of story, and it's more of kind of a theme or an environment, but is Olympus and everything that's connected to that. um, You know, this is the birthplace of now Horizon, Lifeline, and Octane. Mm -hmm. And this is some speculation, but Darian and Duardo that were mentioned uh, before in the season five epilogue of the quest mm-hmm. um, could be, I mean, are very much connected to Branthium and Horizon and Olympus. Mm-hmm. And because Lifeline and Octane know them, it's possible that they could be Lifeline and Octane's parents, respectively. So... Darian and Eduardo could have very interesting roles here. Uh, potentially, if they are titans of industry, mm-hmm. um, like Lifeline and Octane's parents are, uh, doing robotics and pharmaceuticals, they probably had a hand to play in this Horizon mission and the potential destruction mm-hmm. uh, that ensued. So probably going to be some fallout there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a very exciting story to tell. Yeah, Horizon might not be the biggest fan of Lifeline and Octane if she's not a fan of the parents, potentially. That is true. (laughs) And then we have the rocket that's moving something to Olympus. And really, this must... I I have no idea. It's our biggest question mark. The rocket, you know, sometimes we just write it off and say it was filler, it was nothing, like, has no purpose. And there's a lot of support for that. <laughs> but think about the harvester. Mm-hmm. That doesn't need a rocket. No. It's also really, really big. So maybe you don't need a rocket. But what are they transporting with a rocket that size when we know that a little VTOL jet mm-hmm. can make the same travel? No problem. You don't need the, like, even in the trailer, you don't need the thrusters. Mm-hmm. You're using jump drive technology in general. And we saw the Damascus, the ship that people yeah. drop from, do it as well. So we know that these ships can make a drop, a jump like this. It's very interesting in size and purpose. Um, What's your theory? Give me one, give me one just crazy theory. Do it for the fans, Henry. Give me one. It's hard and painful, but, you know, I think that it has to do with Branthium and energy. Mm-hmm. I think Hammond's main uh, role here throughout the whole story has been harvesting mm-hmm. World's Edge, uh, doing some weird experiments on King's Canyon, definitely trying to do energy things. You know, we know the Sing Labs and the Charge Towers are yep. associated with energy. And now Branthium is kind of an energy source or weapon. And there's labs on uh, the next map. And so I think it has some sort of scientific purpose, but we have no idea what could have been loaded on there. I don't know. It's I really just, don't. It's sus because is this evilish corporation going to use this energy for the good of all people or is it going to become weaponized and are we leading into another war and Titanfall yeah. 3 coming up here shortly? Like. And as weird as that is, and like, oh, well, why is there a war? Why is Hammond mm-hmm. want to have a war? The end of the Frontier War was not definitive. It was a stalemate. It was a stalemate. Everyone and, ran out of resources. Yeah. 
And so now that Hammond potentially has more resources, and it's weird because IMC, Syndicate, and Hammond are all very much connected Mm -hmm. and essentially the same people, and we're going to find out more about the people. But they have an agenda, like, galactically. Yeah. So there is potential for some major uh, war coming. It's yeah. way bigger than Apex Games. I'm excited. I'm excited. I love speculating about this kind of stuff. Um, in terms of stories and story lore, I think the one thing Henry and I have been curious about and potentially asking for is a bit more on Rampart, uh, which doesn't seem likely. You know, we are getting some great relationships with her and other characters and seeing how she fits in with the legends, but does she have a bigger role to play? Because this guy, his name is Blisk, who is kind of controlling or not controlling everything that's going on with all these big corporations, handpicked this person to be in the games. So you'd think she would have an impactful role of some sorts. And we really haven't seen in the form of lore yet something that ties her to that level of importance. Yeah, and I think kind of a... A far out speculation is Rampart knows weapons. Mm-hmm. And so if Hammond or something is building a weapon, she may have some expertise. But for the fact that she's more of a tinkerer yeah. and a mechanic, she's not really a scientist capable of doing major super weapons. Mm-hmm. I think she kind of like puts extended mags on things. Yeah, she puts, she's a modder. Yeah, that's what so she is. Her purpose is very much undefined and we just don't know a lot about her. And I guess we're upset about it because we were coming off of Loba mm-hmm. and kind of her purpose, which was something and Rampart really didn't have a purpose. But at the same time, we don't know much about Lifeline or Gibraltar. You know, yeah. there's still lots of gaps in legend backstory, but we were kind of just used to getting a little more. And with Rampart, it is unknown. Yep. Before we talk about Horizon and the map, we're going to take a little break here and give you a word from our sponsors. The Good Games Podcast is brought to you by Henry and Shay. Hopefully you like those two guys and their opinions. From our success covering Apex Legends, we've sought out to create a new project talking about all the new good games. If you want to hear Henry and I cover games from Rogue Company to Assassin's Creed, check out the link in the description to hear about all the new good games. Welcome back. Now we're going to talk more on Horizon. She's awesome. That's I, Before we dive into she the is. details, she is. I just need to get out of the way that beautiful kit from a color perspective. It is such a nice blue. Yeah. I, I like, it is awesome. She looks great. She sounds great. And she's very different character from anything we've had in the game. Like moms, who that's what she is don't normally come into first person shooters to wreck things. And so I'm super excited to see how she interacts with the other legends and we'll get into her importance here in a second, but she's impactful. She's very impactful and very different. Like you were saying, you know, family has been kind of a growing theme in apex and she really is the queen of family. Yes. Around here. Mm -hmm. Um, But essentially her backstory is she's smart. She's really smart. Uh, she's some sort of energy physicist mm-hmm. or scientist. 
um, on that mission, uh, based on the promise, uh, video, she was abandoned on this mission to save her planet. Uh, and that left her from her family and son for 87 years. Yes. And she loves her son. Um, Loves her son as all families do. She loves her son. Mm -hmm. So it's very sad. Um, but 87 years later, she's so smart that she comes back, everything's destroyed, family gone, and she hopefully says, it's just a matter of time till I see you again. That's what she said. So she just pretty much said, I figured out while stuck in a plane how to travel through a black hole. I'm now going to figure out how to time travel and go back and see my son. And it's no problem. Mm-hmm. She doesn't even look phased by it. Not like, oh, this is going to be hard. She said, mm, it's just a... Just a matter of time. Ain't no thing. Time traveling is interesting because, you know, Avengers Endgame just came mm-hmm. out. We got back to the future. There's a lot of different rules for time travel. One of which that normally happens is if you go back, that does change things and impact the future. And she, she seemed like a very impactful person to the point where if she went back uh-huh. in time, these 87 years would not have played out as they did with a war and these blood sport revival. And so her intelligence is going to make a serious impact, not on the Apex games, but on this universe in general. It's a very fascinating premise uh, to the future of Apex, Mm -hmm. uh, just because, like you said, time travel is a very... A uh, tricky, sticky thing, yep. and can have major consequences. And there's even the issue of, okay, you were gone for almost ninety years. Your son lived a whole life. Are you gonna take that whole life and family of his away for your selfish reasons to want to see him again? Yeah, interesting. Like potentially you can have both. Potentially not. Like. And there's so many crazy theories too. Like there's theories that her son adopted Loba as well now. So like everything's flying around. I there's gonna be some connection. There's gonna be some connection that nobody's seeing coming. That's just gonna add on top of everything. Gonna be like a wow moment in lore. I'm sure of it. And then kind of tying the story to her abilities, which mm-hmm. is something we love to see. Oh. Legend concept, concept on point apex. Nice work. It's beautiful stuff. I'm glad you submitted a video with your entry. Yeah. Thank you, Play Apex. <laughs> we will be featuring you on the podcast. Um, but Branthium appears to be very much connected to her kit. Mm-hmm. It powers her ultimate sort of black hole energy source crystal generating powerhouse. I love crystals that generate amazing energy and power. Some. We should. Do you want to go travel to a black hole sometime and figure out how to harvest that? It's a risk. You know, (laughs) it's a long ways away, but it's a pretty cool ability. Um, And speaking about her abilities, you know, we've spoken a little bit about that tactical, the repulsor, and the potential that it could have. The black hole, we've also spoken about potentially interacting with throwables and impacting even the vehicles now in the game mm-hmm. uh, the falling passive we also saw yeah um the sort of soft landing she like element. slowed down after falling out of the trident as mirage yeah. and pathfinder tumbled it looked, cool. it looked great it looked cool um and that's what apex is about right looks yeah i guess and it didn't have any perceived impact on her teammates or herself um 
So maybe no actual crazy benefit. But at the same time, if you think about, okay, uh, this legend is good at falling off things Mm -hmm. and not incurring that stun, okay, well, then I don't want to incur a slow penalty either of kind of the soft landing. So that benefit is very, very important. In that trailer, it looked more like a hover. Yeah, than like a, than a soft landing. And I think the trailer is, um, I'm guessing of all the abilities we saw that that falling thing is going to be a little bit different in actual gameplay than uh, what it looked like on the cinematic side. Whether it's impactful yeah. or not is yet to be seen because we theorized a lot of this with the whole concept of a skyscraper city style landscape everywhere. And we were like, well, I guess maybe this ability will have impact if you're jumping off buildings all the time and going floor to floor. But the map did not look like that. So it's going to be interesting to see how that fits in for sure. It certainly will. And in that cinematic trailer, she wasn't even falling from that high. No. She essentially bunny hopped out of a vehicle and Mm -hmm. fell down and we kind of saw this potential passive. So... Still major unknown on the passive. Yep. And passives are important. We they're love not passives. everything. They're not everything, but they are important. Um our vibe from Horizon is that she could be the new face of Apex, you know. And whether she takes that actual role, because in the public perception, you have Wraith and pathfinder as like the played legends apex still advertises mirage like that is the character that they think i think connects with the audience and they feature in all these trailers and stuff but like we were speaking her connection to everything going on in this universe is so big that not a lot is going to happen from here on out without us being like oh well that had impact because of horizon or like why wasn't she there or Mm -hmm. something like if they do skip on using her yeah she's so super like the next smartest legend is watson and she in essence designed the entire apex games Mm -hmm. with the ring and with horizon you know she so much connects a lot of the stories connect like brings purpose to the whole ash story Mm -hmm. introduces a new map but she's also just on such a higher level than all the other legends. She's smart enough to just say time travel is no problem. Yep. Uh, she's capable of harnessing the power of Branthium in a mobile device yeah. for her ultimate. Mm-hmm. No big deal. And she's kind of more, it appears that she's more concerned about the universe and existence and pretty high level stuff. So. We look at her like she's kind of a superhero and she should be able to solve problems and cause problems at will. Yeah. And as much as she, we learned about the story, I'm still curious as to why she is exactly shooting people in the games on a day to day basis. Like, is it to find out information, get closer to him and syndicate all that kind of stuff or like. What is that actual reason? Because it seems like if she just wants to figure out time travel, why does she have to waste her time killing other legends to do that in our world at least? Yeah, and I guess 
to go a little bit ahead, next we're going to be talking about the map, Mm -hmm. but just Horizon and bringing in Olympus, you know, we moved to World's Edge because crypto broke into the games and destroyed the repulsor and caused a major delay. Mm Mm-hmm. And so the games were moved. And then World's Edge or King's Canyon was kind of repaired and Mm -hmm. put back in order. But it's kind of sad that Hammond is just so secretive. Yeah. And that's just kind of the explanation that we get. We don't even know why the Harvester is there. Like, we don't actually know Mm -hmm. what Hammond is doing. And we don't know why Apex has anything to do with Hammond. And they'll like, throw Why in, are the games happening yeah. on a planet that's getting harvested mm-hmm. in the first place? We don't really have those kind of answers. And so why Horizon is participating on a blood sport that was recently moved to her home planet Olympus that doesn't really look like Olympus and more so looks like a scientific resort is really a big unknown. Mm-hmm. And we're excited. We are excited for this season, no doubt. One of the few concerns and questions we do have is we got the Apex Legends Season 7 confirmation, release date, all the features that are coming, and there was not a confirmation of a quest in there. And that's concerning because we feel like there is a huge amount of story to now tell. And if you're removing one of the avenues in which to do that, I'm curious how you're going to tell that story and in what fashion and i just want to either know what's happening or not and i probably am gonna have to wait till the start of the season to find out but i just want to hear from the writing team yo we opened up a can of worms and this is how we're gonna explain all of it because whether it's interesting for the average player or not it's interesting for us and hopefully Mm -hmm. it's interesting for the people listening and taking time to Check out a podcast about Apex. Yeah, for sure. This is for you. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really predict that one single legend could be the glue that brings in that storyline. We're impressed. Hindsight, it probably, we, we talk so much about yeah. this game. We probably should have thought of that potentially at some point, but we were so locked in on Valk. Yeah. Because they did such a good do- job teasing that with the data and stuff. And we're like, well, Valk has zero connection to yeah. based off what we know. A scientist makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Like Horizon's purpose for the plot in triggering the rocket potentially with Branthium, Mm -hmm. with for some reason bringing attraction to Olympus, which is a residential, beautiful, high society class. Mm -hmm. It's not really uh, a resource harvesting area outpost or an abandoned war outpost like King's Canyon. So the fact that she's attracting rockets to be built, attracting Apex to Olympus, bringing Ash into the spotlight, Mm -hmm. she has the potential to really uh, drive the narrative moving forward. Definitely. Let's talk about the map, though. First and foremost, I mean, we didn't say it officially, but Olympus confirmed. Season 7, we're getting a new map. I know we've probably gotten your hopes up two seasons in a row for a new map. But I promise you it's coming, and if it gets canceled, we're going to have different issues at that point. So, the third map that we've had in Apex, which is absolutely amazing, we have been looking forward to it for a while. What do you want to talk about with this map? 
Well, there's a lot to discuss, yes. but I think we can kind of first just talk about the overall vibe of the map, kind of the style of it, how it's similar and different. And really, this is a floating city, mm-hmm. which is a very cool premise. You know, we have King's Canyon, which is kind of like an island. We then have World's Edge, which is a volcanic, icy mm-hmm. wonderland. Nature. Yeah. Nature was kind of like the theme with that one. Mm-hmm. And now we have a city in the clouds. Mm-hmm. And you that know the offers code? some cool stuff. The code line is Cloud City. Cloud City. Star, Star Wars, Wars all yep. day. <laughs> you got to. You got to. Um, but I guess the first reaction uh, was, this is not a city. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked by that, but pleasantly surprised. I really don't know how I would play in a war zone style, very urban, and even more so like high rise skyscraper. It'd be like hyperscape. It'd be way more like hyperscape mm -hmm. and potentially even cranked up. Yeah. And that's what we were anticipating and quite nervous about. So we did not get that. Um, And this is not like what we have now. Doesn't look anything like any of the loading screens like we were saying mm-hmm. at the top of the episode. And just in general, there is no like residential cities. Mm-hmm. You even compare it to World's Edge, which was, you know, a mining outpost. And it has Lava City, Skyhook, Fragment of uh, Capital City. There's no Skull Town in this map. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so interesting that they're selling it as a city. Everybody thought it was going to be a city, and now it really isn't. And across the whole map, there's only really three taller buildings in a POI called Bonsai Plaza, which looks cool, Mm -hmm. but they potentially won't have like elevators or stairs that will get you to the top. So not what I was expecting. I don't think anybody was expecting Mm -hmm. not an urban map, but I'm honestly happy because... That would have been a huge shift to even just gunplay and movement and rotations and jump towers and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of fun features around this map. And one of the ones that I think we're excited about is the black and blue orb that is on the map. And it's supposed to be called Rift based off of a leaked image of the map. We are looking at that and we're like, there's no way you're inside that. And you're not getting some sort of special effect, Mm -hmm. whether it be a tint color change of your screen or with all this gravity talk, you jump higher, gravity works differently in this orb, or you were even talking about flashpoint style health regen when you're fighting in this POI. And I am so curious to see what happens in that specific spot in the map probably more than anything else, at least that I've seen so far, because I think the options are just so cool that they could run with. And it's fairly big. Yeah. You know, that is the potential to have a very interesting mechanic that is brought into the game. And I'm honestly shocked that if it does have an effect like that, it wasn't featured. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because in season three, we had geysers featured. Now we had yep. the train featured um, as kind of staple uh, parts of this new map that we should be excited about. Rift, it's a mystery. And this it looks was a really vehicle cool. trailer. This was a vehicle trailer. Mm-hmm. In, in truth, it was. And that is totally fine and respectable mm-hmm. because vehicles is the largest mechanic change in Apex history. Yep. 
We have holes scattered around the map and makes sense with them all talking about watching your step and stuff. And I guarantee you I will be following through one of those a couple of times and I will be apologizing to Henry a lot. Hopefully I don't do it on stream. That's all I ask. Yeah, better hope not. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Another cool feature on the map is, you know, the rocket. It's still unknown, but Mm -hmm. that appears to be very playable Uh, on this new map. They're going to call it Carrier based on the leaked map. Um, but it seems like you will be able to actually go inside of it and potentially even play on top of it. And so that could be cool. And, you know, I, I don't know uh, what they will do with it. Uh, the only thing we actually know about it is that it has Ramparts modded weapons on it. <laughs> so it could be a loot bunker kind of thing. It could be a high tier loot kind of thing. There could be weapon racks in it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it'll be cool to finally get into that rocket because it looks really cool uh even on world's edge yeah there's also a lot of structures throughout the map that are these high high walls that kind of appear to act as the man-made version of the mountains and things that blocked off areas of king's canyon and world's edge it does kind of all seem to be centered around this huge tall circular structure called turbine theoretically and that structure is going to be a big question mark until we play the map because we're going to learn how playable is this structure that can see the entire map, it looks like. It is far and above anything else we've seen and the size of it in comparison to uh, Bloodhound's Trials or what's the tall, what am I blanking on? The pit, yeah. The size of it compared to the pit as well is massive and so it could impact gameplay in a serious way it's another one of the i mean a lot of question marks obviously in everything we're talking about but that one and the rift are two of the biggest ones for us yeah this this circle turbine poi at the center of the map that's surrounded by unplayable like mountain structure is a big question mark it could be you know very much uh urban if you will like it's room to room or it could be very wide open like the pit except huge Mm -hmm. um and so that's a big question mark and a very exciting kind of new uh style to a map um another thing just from a stylistic standpoint really beautiful we mentioned that you know earlier but it's got green it's got cherry blossoms it looks great the clouds look really pretty at this point um, this is a very different map from a aesthetic standpoint, and that's really cool. Um, but kind of echoing the idea that there's that center turbine mm-hmm. that we're kind of fixated on, and it's kind of a circle uh, style center or focus point of the map is interesting. The shape of the map mm-hmm. is also very different uh, than King's Canyon and World's Edge, which are more... Uh, squares this one's like an abstract circle yeah and how that potentially affects ring logic and just rotation pacing and directional things uh is kind of a question it's Mm -hmm. cool it's way different yeah we took an early peek also at this mini map that was leaked and looking at some of the rotations some things that stood out to us were it seemed like there was a similar number of choke points potentially. But on top of the choke points, there is 
huge, huge gaps in the map to allow incredible rotation possibilities, which I think is something that could be very impactful for the game, especially on a ranked and competitive level, because that is something that a lot of people are frustrated with in Apex. And these gaps are unlike anything else we've seen on World's Edge yet. It's really, really different. Mm -hmm. You know, you have the tight uh, chokes that kind of pass through the circular wall, but on flanking sides through what we think is going to be the rift and what is near kind of what we think uh, looks a lot like the UFO is called the Elysium. I have no idea. I wasn't even going to try. I'm glad you took an effort, though. Took a stab. (laughs) Um, But on both of those flanking sides, it looks like there is wide open areas that are essentially unchokable. Mm -hmm. And so the options that you could have to rotate appear to be way more wide open. Um, And, you know, we'll talk about vehicles in the future, but vehicles could shift what a choke even is, you know. Yeah, it, it's a big if. Let's keep things rolling. What yeah. What do you want to do? You want to end on anything else with the map? Because obviously, we're going to yeah. talk in depth about the map next week. So, give me like your last couple of thoughts before we start talking about vehicles. I just have one more thing. When comparing it to World's Edge and even Kings Canyon, it looks like there is less open space between POIs, mm-hmm. and more so that the POIs are just more spread out or bigger. Yeah. So, like, and that kind of goes against what my assumptions were that vehicles would be really important to move in between POIs. It seems like vehicles will be used within POIs and are kind of designed that way. So interesting that the map may feel more condensed, even though it's about the same size as World's Edge. There just might be a lot less walking through grass and hills than in other maps from what I can see. Let's now talk about the biggest change in the history of Apex Legends, potentially, and talk about vehicles. I know this is your favorite thing that you've ever had added to the game, Henry, so break it down for us, your passion, the vehicles. (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be a lot, but to start it off, this is a huge if Mm -hmm. for Apex and Season 7. This is like the future. If vehicles don't go well, and have some impacts that are very negative, it could be very bad. But breaking down what we got here, the Trident, uh, you know, there's a charm called the Olympus. It's kind of a cool uh, vehicle. You have the kind of central rear pilot and then the two passengers uh, flanking the front of the vehicle. Um, we think that this thing's going to be pretty fast based off of the poster sent out to some creators. Mm-hmm. Uh, the subtitle is The Pinnacle of Driving. That to me sounds like Formula One. Yeah. Like race car. Uh, you know, it looks like that in the trailer and it sounds like that based off of that subtitle. So speed mm-hmm. is going to be big. It's kind of an unknown, but it appears to be fast. It can hit jumps. It can go downstairs and blocks. It's not... Uh, necessarily going to incur damage because it's a hover thing so it should have pretty good terrain uh this is going to be a fun word traversability i like it um (laughs) it should be pretty good on that metric yeah it's looking very exciting and our first look at it actually came from instagram in a vr story post that play apex put out very cool way to market 
And one of the notes that Henry had from this is that it showed a blue beam on the parking platform that the Trident was located on. And it's going to be interesting because when we look at other things that have blue beams in Apex, you know, care packages and all like the things that fly down mid game. Mm -hmm. And so the way the vehicles work is going to be really fascinating. If you had to give it a guess, what would be your best shot? So my best shot at how vehicles will appear in the game is that we jump in and there's 10 vehicles on the map and they are at different spawning places and there's going to be blue beams on all of them. Mm-hmm. Kind of seems pretty busy to me from kind of a drop ship a map perspective, mm-hmm. but I think that's how it's going to be. And those blue beams may start once you hit the ground, mm. which will clean things up. But I think that beam will then disappear as soon as somebody gets in the vehicle for the first time. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't kind of track from a distance a vehicle. And if you got out, it wouldn't start the beam again. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a first thing, first time thing. But that's my guess. That's my stab at how I think the, the vehicles will spawn. And the number, that 10, is based off of that leaked map again, mm-hmm. which... I very much like that number. I don't think that's too much or too little. I think 10 makes a lot of sense. It's very much in the same range as survey beacons. And I think we'll act kind of similar based off of my guess to that random spawn location Mm -hmm. being on these circular parking platforms that will then glow and have the vehicles there if it does in fact spawn there. And that means to me that you won't necessarily be able to just drop in the same place every time and have a vehicle Mm -hmm. guaranteed for your rotation like a jump tower so it's going to be a different mechanic yeah i assume i'm i am hoping for that as well i'm i'm really on the side of i hope they aren't in the exact same spot every time because it would not be fun to have your game plan and rotations at least how we like to go about the game created around a vehicle and more so for the reason than that driving the vehicle in and of itself I imagine is going to have inconsistencies and so I don't want that to be a regular part of every round gameplay but rather something that can have a fun impact when I come across it in certain situations rather than a reliance yeah it's going to be fascinating you know Mm -hmm. next week's going to be amazing we're going to be playing all day Mm -hmm. i've already taken the day off of school professors know about it (laughs) like i will be playing it and we will be reporting on the podcast um but even just you know random spawn rate Mm -hmm. that means that it's not going to be consistent every game of how you interact with the vehicle but we also don't know the the cross map transportation capability. Can you drive from one point to the other or is the fact that this is a floating city going to limit your ability to drive very far Mm -hmm. with it? And I think that's probably good. But what that implies is that this is for a combat advantage. This is not for outrunning the ring and it's not for getting places that you couldn't go uh, by walking. So my biggest concern with the vehicles is taking over in a potentially bad way the style of Apex and then kind of stomping on and potentially muddying the legends. 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's how, a fear. How impactful is a caustic grenade uh, to stopping a team if they can just drive right through it and really incur no penalty? How good is a Gibraltar bubble at getting a res if you can just get run over? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how impactful is Octane Stem if if three people in a car can go way faster or even a zip line or, uh, you know, a portal even? Do you need a portal mm-hmm. to go from one point to another point if you're, you know, safely in a car that's going very fast? So hit points is going to be a big thing for that combat uh, viability. Mm-hmm. Can it really help you and protect you? Can it be used as cover? Can you use it as kind of a tank? And then what will the runover do? Will this knock? Will this a limb? Mm-hmm. Or you were assuming that potentially it could just take away shields. I was hoping. I have it's this possible. hope that maybe it just takes away shields. And it could that's be any optimistic. Of but yeah. It could be in a limb. Mm-hmm. It could also be a knock. Um, lots of ifs here. But I think the biggest, like, everyone should be excited. This is a really cool, fun new thing to Apex that Shay and I are hoping, in combination with crossplay and Steam and this new map, are able to elevate Apex way above what it's been for the last year. We're hoping that this game gets a lot of awesome publicity and that this community is able to grow Mm -hmm. based off of this change. Vehicles will be big. I'm just hoping that it doesn't cost the legends and the power of abilities. I agree. And wrapping it up on the vehicles with some of those questions, we talked about hit points a little bit earlier in the episode. Another thing we're curious about, is there going to be the animation for entering and exiting? Game seeming to go in either direction, with whether it be climbing in or out of the car, or instantly in, instantly out. And that very much will impact how the vehicle is used and how it's balanced. Uh, how is shooting from the trident? How does the hip fire work? What kind of range of vision and motion do you have? I'm also curious if we're going to have like a gas you know meter or like a like length that we can drive this thing around so Fortnite is that's what they did and so you know we have an energy crisis potentially mm-hmm. and all this need for branthium so is there going to be a limited mileage on these uh tridents which might limit them as well in some way lots of questions it's very exciting the clock is mm-hmm. ticking now to when we start getting answers yep now let's pit so that was kind of the speculation mm-hmm. that was the fun stuff uh Please let us know what your speculations are, you know, what you're excited about, what you're uh, maybe anxious about. Um, Overall, we're really excited about vehicles. There's a lot of questions, uh, but this will be a major feature and we're hoping that it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, this season is going to be absolutely insane. We have the first map in over a year, vehicles, and the big kind of question mark and variable from the impact of looking at the popularity of the game is Steam. And with crossplay, what's that going to do? We're excited to find this out. I hope you guys enjoy our speculation and stuff. Uh, we're going to wrap it up now with some questions, but hopefully Apex steps up to the plate and this season lives up to all the hype that it could ever, ever want. So dive into the questions now. Uh, you know, if you have a question, leave a five-star review on Apple Pod. Make sure you get it answered on the show. First question is from Clutch Bob. Can you guys interview more people? Yeah, thanks for the question. Mm-hmm. You know, interviews are fun. 
uh, because we like to interact with, you know, other people in the community. Um, but we also know that it's hard to interview just to learn more about someone when a lot of what our podcast is about is learning stuff and mm-hmm. diving into things. And so we're kind of struggling with how we can combine those two things by having a guest on to interview, but also get some cool insights, not just a bio mm-hmm. on them, but also something that is more similar to our normal content. And a potential future interview down the road could be our guy Shrug Talk, yeah. uh, which would be a very enlightening and very fun conversation. Hey, we're big fans. We are big fans. Day one mm-hmm. of the pod has really been connected to uh, all their hard work. Definitely. Next question is coming from FPS Haven. If you could take one character from another game and put them into the Apex games, who would you choose and consider their skills, abilities, as abilities in Apex? Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Or Bose. even better, you know, this guy would come in and immediately dominate Nomad. <laughs> Nomad's <laughs> ability. <laughs> yeah. Nomad from uh, Breakpoint and Wildlands and the Ghost Recon series. What would the abilities be? The like, abilities would be like, I never miss a shot. Yeah. I, you can't find me. You want to melee me. I will counter it and grab your wrist and then destroy you. What's that? I'm a team leader. Uh-huh. I increase everybody's health by yeah. 10%, 10,000%. Sure. So I know how to talk. It would be great. <laughs> There's also that passive in Breakpoint where all pistol shots snap to the head. So, <laughs> Give you know, them a smart pistol. Yeah, smart pistol, wingman, just auto aim to the head every time. Definitely potential. What I was thinking was I think that there's an opportunity for flames in mm-hmm. Apex. And, you know, a lot of games have these characters or legends. Fire. And, yeah, and fire. And one of my favorite CODs is Black Ops 3. And there's a specialist in that game called Firebreak. And essentially, if they were to be put in Apex, they'd have a flamethrower ultimate, mm-hmm. which I think could be cool. And then some sort of tactical that was maybe like a thermite wall, but could even be like a burst in mm-hmm. black ops it's kind of a burst that kind of stuns enemies and destroys equipment um and so i think there's some potential for a character like that i still think it's interesting that you know caustic's kit was kind of inspired i think uh by the titan scorch from uh-huh. titanfall and scorch was fire like fire canisters and all that so i would have imagined that would have been the direction they went with caustic but they went with the gas instead yeah. and so i do wonder what inspiration uh, from a grenade or gas trap kind of style they would take with a fire character. But, you know, with thermites and stuff, if you could have a character immune to thermites, they'd be my main. <laughs> yeah, it'd be really, really nice. It really would. And, you know, just kind of speaking about how legends kind of repeat themselves from Titanfall, and you were talking about Scorch and Caustic, Maybe this whole black hole thing is going to echo uh, the gravity star. Yep. I don't know if we've spoken about that before, but that's something that we're both kind of looking at as a reference point um, of sucking people in and doing damage and exploding outwards. Um, but maybe even better. Yeah, than the, that. Gra- the gravity star was my main. So, yeah. We Horizon were... could be your main. Oh, who knows? Who knows? Who knows, <laughs> folks? 
Guys, thank you so much for listening. That was a pretty long one, but wait for next week. It's going to be a marathon episode. We're excited. We got so much to cover. The first episode of the season is going through patch notes and everything. It's always a great time. We're looking forward to playing. Stop by our stream, though, uh, this week, and we're just going to have a good time, chill, maybe theorize more about some stuff. Uh, but make sure you yeah, subscribe to us on Apple Pods. Leave a follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star review with your question. We'll answer it on the next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Sub to the YouTube channel. Check out the stream. Join our Discord via the link in the description. Awesome time over there. Everybody's super nice and interactive. Thank you so much for listening to the Third Party Podcast. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Boom, whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>